0: Hello and welcome to Southside Church Podcast. For information about our church located in Cape Town, South Africa, go and check out our website, southsidechurch.co.za. We trust that the message would inspire you today. It's super, super cool to be back up here, to see all of you again. Sorry about the rugby, but uh, worship made up for it, hey? Can't believe it's been three years of me speaking in this house and this is my... One of my first messages I ever bought, so that's super cool. And thank you, Grant Janine, for entrusting the platform to me. I think you're crazy. But uh, (laughs) if just keep on inviting me, so maybe not. I've traveled a lot. I'm very, very fortunate. I got the travel bug, and I went to go wash pots in London and wait uh, just any kind of job I could get, save money, and traveled with that. And it was quite interesting because as I was traveling amongst all different places, you bump into all sorts of different things and um, the different ways people do things. For instance, when I traveled to the east, um, I waited in line for food, but no one waits in line. So I just didn't really get served. <laughs> Everyone sort of pushes to the front. and Whoever gets there gets service. Um, it's not rude. That's how they do it. So there you go. Don't wait in line. Um, I remember when I worked in London... I just got on the escalator, and up I went. And some guys, hey, mate, what are you doing? Get, get to the right. That was my best shot. <laughs> you're not going to hear that again. I don't know why I went into accent. Um, but people um, stand on the right-hand side and the left lanes for overtaking. So if you're in a rush, you cruise up the left. Otherwise, you stand on the right. Um, I, when I came to Cape Town, um, I realized that business meetings can totally be done in flip-flops. That's not a problem. Uh, whereas in Joburg that is not a thing. <laughs> um, or perhaps when you get married, um, you know, small things become big things. And like I was like, Meg, why do you um why do you handle the toothpaste so weirdly? Um, we like to roll it up from the bottom. She's like, No, just squeeze it. I'm like Whoa, something wrong with you. Like, <laughs> we need to talk about this. So uh, it's just interesting to see how all these different things, you can encounter all these different things as you go through life. Luke 15, verse 5. Let's pick up the scripture. This is Jesus addressing a crowd that's been following him for a little while. The parable of the lost sheep. Now, tax collectors and sinners were gathering all around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers stood uh, teachers of the law stood, uh, of the law, muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there's more rejoicing in heaven over the one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Today, I wanna to look at two important principles that are being communicated by Jesus here in Luke 15. The first one, And the most important one is called the kingdom of heaven. Just like me going to the east and going to see how people do things there. It's one culture going to a different culture and there's a clash of cultures. A lot of people have a similar struggle with Christianity because this world has its belief system. And yet the kingdom of God has its belief system. And we are Christians, heavenly citizens, living here on earth. Simply put, the world has its way. Heaven has its way. These kingdoms are mentioned all over the Bible. Let's just have a look at one of some of the main dogmas of Christianity. The Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6 verse 13. Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. His name's not hallowed, that means holy. My younger one's like dad, God's name's hallowed. I'm like, where did you find that? Holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Paul also speaks about these two kingdoms a lot. He says in Romans 12 verse 2, Do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, which we know are destructive, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Likewise, Jesus spends a lot of time speaking about these two kingdoms, And what I'd love to encourage you to do today, or just next time you pick up your Bible, every time you see the kingdom of heaven is like, immediately engage this principle. And the Bible will start coming to life for you. And you'll start to see what the kingdom of heaven is actually like and what God was really trying to achieve here on earth. Jesus is trying to show us how his kingdom works. The book of Matthew alone mentions it 45 times. For reference, there are only 28 chapters. This is a topic that gets chatted about a lot. The best way I could think to illustrate this is just with my ladder. The last time I did this, it was a new ladder. It's looking a bit gangster, <laughs> so forgive me. But this ladder represents quite well how the world works. Um, we are weighted and measured to perform in china depending on your school marks you just get up, uh, well, what i heard is you just get a set set of subjects that you can go into depending on how you performed in school and even within in in in, in church in church circles and sometimes in the world we think we measure people so we think maybe the bottom of the ladder is like the worst kind of people you can have. It's maybe like a Stalin or like a Hitler, someone really terrible at the bottom. And maybe someone really amazing at the top, someone just absolutely who lived their whole lives completely selfless, um, maybe a Billy Graham or Mother Teresa, something, something really amazing. You can, you can change, chop and change changes however you need to, but I'm trying to just put the point across to you. This is how the world measures us. But this, this is just a principle. It can be applied in many different sectors of society. Let me bring it a little bit closer to home. Perhaps the tea lady is not as great as the CEO. Hey? Perhaps Muslims think they're better than Christians, or Christians think they're better than Muslims because we serve the true God. Hey? Blacks, whites, rich we like to do this this world does this we put people on this ladder all the time someone who's got a a really fancy degree versus someone who's just got a high school diploma Gentiles Jews do you know that there's been wars fought over this apartheid was based on this exact system exact, we are better than them. The Holocaust, we are better than them. I'm getting goosebumps, guys. It's so close. We are on the line here. We are so close. Jesus comes. This is the system. And he says this. He says, my kingdom isn't vertical, it's horizontal. It's horizontal. Galatians 3 verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free. There is no male or female. We are all one in Christ. There is only one above us and that is Jesus Christ. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are all under him. The tea lady, the CEO, Christian, Muslim, you, we are all under. There is no greater or lesser in the kingdom of God. There is only God. Absolutely. Ex- 10 verse 34 to 35, then Peter replied, I see very clearly now, God shows no favoritism in every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. That's not CEO or tea lady. There's no favoritism in the kingdom of God. Matthew 20, verse 16. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. When you think you're high, you think you're on the ladder, God says you're actually low. When you think you're on the bottom, God picks you up. He keeps on readjusting everything to horizontal. We live citizens of heaven we live with this in our hearts but we live in this in the world this space in between is called sanctification if you want to go read up more about it it's the outliving of the bible it's how we get through this crazy thing called life trying to worship jesus with this crazy world around us that in between space it's tough Tough for Jesus too. Matthew twenty-three verses eleven. The disciples asking Jesus, "Listen, listen. But who's the greatest out of us? We humble, but just want to know. Like who's gonna be? Just asking for a friend. If there was someone to sit at your right hand side, who's it gonna be? Who's it gonna be? So Jesus is seeing. They thinking like this." But they're asking the wrong guy because he spent the last couple of weeks trying to show them this. So he says, Cool, you want to know? The servant among you shall be the greatest. It's so powerful because Jesus lives his life, doesn't just talk the talk. Heaven, the king of heaven, comes down, washes feet, and dies a criminal's death. The greatest became the least. He is living what he is speaking. Matthew 16, verse 25, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Let's reflect quickly on the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin. Should you have an entire flock of sheep and lose one, you would never go after that one. No way, so says. It says they left them in the open countryside. My guy, you don't do that. Jesus is not good at economics. I'm not leaving. That sheep was dumb. It must go. That's called collateral. It's called collateral because come market day, you left the one, you lost twenty. Yeah, that's terrible economics. You would never, you would never leave the ninety-nine for the one. Here's the kingdom of heaven. You're the one. <laughs> You're the one that needed saving. You and me. We needed this. We need to climb off our high horses thinking that we're something greater than we're not. We are all in the same boat, saved by grace. And he came for us. <clears throat> I'm not going to cry, really. Point two God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. Let me say this. You cannot change God's mind. No, Dan, didn't you read um, Exodus? It says that Abraham, he negotiated with God. God already knew. God already knew. He's just having a conversation with us because he likes relationship. God knew way before what he was going to do. No, I just know because I'm going to get that question as soon as I step off the stage. Did you notice with the shepherd and the woman there was no moment of contemplation they just went looking nothing was going to stop them jesus didn't say well they stopped thought about it okay let's go after the farmer just went after that one in the same way you cannot change god's mind god will do what god will do he's in control there is nothing you can do about it knowing What we know now about God's kingdom. That we've all been saved by grace. And that through Jesus we have all of heaven on our side. And we have this amazing favor. You can't shake God's favor. You could leave this church today, set out on a path of destruction against God. And never be any further from his favor than when you left this building. David says, where can I go? I'm trying to rebel against you, but I go to the top of the mountain. Your favor's there. The bottom of the valley, your favor's there. Where can I go? The depths of the ocean, your favor is there. Where can I go? God is sovereign. It's actually... You can just rest in that it 's never been about you. That favor is hot on your trail. The farmer is looking for you. That favor will hunt you down it's not rational it 's after you. It loves you. but Dan wait, I know if I do good things, I get more holiness like it's like I, if, I, if I do good things. God's, like I get more favor with God. Doing good things does not qualify you for holiness. If you think that, that's religion. Don't hang your head in shame because it's a cancer that sort of spreads through church worlds and sort of needs to be brought back every now and then. If that's what you think, do you mind if I just ask some questions around that? If I wanted that same favor, what must I do? How much of it must I do, and when do I know it's enough? It's a big treadmill that will exhaust you. Isaiah 64, 6 says, If you try to justify yourself before me, your good works are as filthy rags. Before me, don't you dare come to the altar of God with your good works, thinking that you were something. It is by grace and grace alone. There is none of this in the kingdom of God. You are not better because you did something awesome for somebody else. That does not qualify you, for we are all saved by grace. Thanks to the lordship of Jesus Christ. I want to... Read Luke 18, verse 9 to 14. Then Jesus told the story of someone who had great confidence in their own self-righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed like this, I thank you, God, that I'm not like these other people, cheaters, sinners, and adulterers. I'm certainly not like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven and prayed. Instead, he beat his chest with sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. This is Jesus' words now, guys. He says, I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. We are broken and all need his grace every single day. Jeff Bethke says, it's like God saying the only way to qualify is to admit that you don't qualify. Hey, I'm a big hot mess. God's like, you're perfect. Let's roll. Because it's never been about you. Big hot mess means nothing because we're all on the same level. Some people have it more together. Others don't. It doesn't matter. As I'm speaking this, I'm telling you. There's release happening here. People have been working years, years under this burden. I know, because that was me. I want you to think about the kingdom of God like a giant mosaic. Run. There we go. My man. That's meant to be one of the biggest, most complex mosaics in the world. The thing is with God and the church, it's like we're all little broken pieces of glass. What do you think you're worth? You see them sometimes when you walk on the beach, a little piece of glass. What is it worth? It's worth nothing. But yet God takes us and he says, I see you, I know exactly. Put you here, put you here, put you here. Then all of a sudden Christ dies on the cross and the sun illuminates through the glass and the church radiates in the middle of the darkest world. There is this mosaic shining, this beautiful light unto the lost. And people are drawn into it. You and I, we are that mosaic. We are all in this together. You may be here thinking, I can do nothing for God. I haven't been a Christian for long. I'm such a bad Christian. I'm not a missionary. I'm not a pastor. I want to leave you with this verse. Luke 23 verse 39 as we come to close. This is Jesus hanging on the cross now. Big moment, eh? Big moment. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving us up and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God? Even when we've been sentenced to die, we, de- we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Trying his luck. Might as well, what has he got to lose? He's nailed to a cross. Jesus stops. It says Jesus stops, thorn of crowns, turns to him and looks to him and says, I assure you, today we're gonna be together. <laughs> That's not grace. <laughs> what can this criminal do? Can he, come off the, can he come off that cross and feed the poor? Can he build the church? Can he pray? What can he do for God? Tell me what he can do. Can he read his Bible every day? Give a tenth of all he has? Can he fast? What can he do for God? He is about to die. He qualifies for eternity with Christ. Do you know why? Two questions. Why are you working so hard for favor that's already yours? You can be released of that now. I can be released of that. Comes back onto you sometimes. If that criminal found favor of God, where on earth does that leave you? Just like the lost coin, the lost sheep... The lost criminal, the lost husband, the lost wife, the lost son, the lost daughter. I spoke to a lady here. She says, My son's going down a path of drugs. Perhaps you're feeling like you're just the least in God's kingdom. I'm here to encourage you today that you are incredibly loved, you are highly favored. And you are set apart for the things of God. Because you and I both are in his kingdom. This, my friends, is what we call the gospel. The good news.